dog barking. Your dog barking and the motorcycle. Yeah. Well, whatever. All right. No chainsaws today. Thank goodness. Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Dan. Here on Filling in the Gaps, we talk about puzzle games and puzzling movies, of which today we're going to talk about a movie called The Lobster. The Lobster comes from 2015, directed by, and I know I'm going to butcher these names because <laughs> they're Greek and my Greek pronunciation, not the best. Apologies. Yorgos Lanthimos, also written by the director and Eftimus Philippone. That's my, again, a probably totally bad pronunciation. Apologies. Sorry, folks. IMDb rating 7.1. That hits just into what I typically say is like the, this is worth watching for the, the average viewer. Rotten Tomato critics, 87%, which makes it certified fresh. Mm-hmm. Audience, 65%. Not surprised. I'm actually kind of surprised it's not a little bit lower. I would have thought it been lower. It is a pretty strange movie. It's right at the two-hour mark, I think just a couple minutes shy. has a pretty powerhouse cast, though, like one that we would recognize. Yeah. Colin Farrell, Rachel Wise, Olivia Coleman, John C. Riley, a few others that I noticed as I was going through as well. I'm bad with names, so I was like, oh, that's him from that. Oh, that's her from that. The hotel woman, she's like from Extras, I think. She's in Extras with Ricky Gervais. I was like, oh, that's her. I don't know any of these guys' names, but I know Colin Farrell and Rachel Wise, and that's it. Okay. <laughs> and the guy from Step Brothers, what's his name? John C. Ryan. Okay, right. <laughs> it is a very strange movie. It is slow-paced, but I feel that that is done on purpose. It doesn't feel slow-paced to the point where I feel like it's wasting time. Mm-hmm. It's just that everything about every scene is done in a kind of relaxed tone. So all of the speaking tends to be pretty slow the action tends to be pretty slow. I mean, what action we have is in slow motion yeah. almost entirely. It's a movie that, I mean, the thing that I would caution people about, I can't because it would be a spoiler. Mm-hmm. So let me just get out of the way that there are going to be some, I guess, trigger warnings here. Sexual content, definitely. It's not, for the most part, graphic, but it plays a really important part to the story and the narrative. and mm-hmm. thus. We're going to have to discuss it in some way. There is violence. And yeah, spoiler, but just so you have the trigger warning, animal violence. Yeah. You don't really see the violence, but you do see the after. So if that's going to bother you, you've been warned. Otherwise, though, I mean, it's a movie that I'd recommend to most people. Just saying, if you want to see something original, you want to see something different, this is the movie for you. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. Like, I wouldn't recommend it to kids, obviously. But... No, no. <laughs> but I'm just saying most people, I think... Do you think most people would like this? I don't. I don't think most people would like it. But I, I think Rotten Tomatoes has proved that, you know. I think a lot of people, though, would respect it for being something different. Yeah, I mean... In a world where we are flooded with currently just sequels and remakes and prequels, it feels like, well... If you're complaining about not having something original, have you seen The Lobster? Yeah. This exactly. seems like an easy one to push for that. Yeah. But if you're into normal mainstream movies, then this is probably not for you. No, probably not. But I think that this one is easier to get into than many of the others that we have discussed. Mm. So well, maybe easier that's Easier than why. Bad Boy Bobby? <laughs> yes. A million times easier. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, I think, why I go. I think this is sort of the indie art movie. 
that could be the gateway into mm -hmm. exploring more of that world and more of these types of movies. So many of the ones that we talk about, outside of maybe things like the Moorhead and Benson stuff, I think that's pretty easy to recommend to most people. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that we've watched, like Synecdoche, New York, and those kind of things, it's kind of a hard push. Yeah. This one has a solid narrative, solid performances, and a very interesting original sort of world idea that to me makes it something that I could promote mm -hmm. or something that I could recommend in a way that, like I said, a lot of the others, I mean, look at what we did recently. Naked Lunch, that's not one I could recommend to most people. The Lobster, fairly tame, both in its abstractness and its sort of story and, and what you see that I think most people could handle this one. I can't really get into more without giving away spoilers. This Spoiler is, time. This is really one that is best to go in knowing absolutely nothing. There's one line of dialogue I think that could be very misconstrued on purpose mm -hmm. until you get a bit further into the movie, about two more minutes into the movie, and that could be a really interesting experience. I think that that could be kind of ruined if you know what the whole premise is. I think I know the exact line you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> you probably do. But that's it. I would recommend it. If you have not seen it, watch The Lobster. I think that it's worth watching. I've seen it twice now, and I was happy to do so. I've seen it, yeah, twice now as well. And yeah, the second time was, yeah, I was looking for theories to put together and stuff and see if there's anything like underlying. There's a lot underlying in this movie. I, I like it because it's more of a, it's definitely a movie you got to think about a little bit rather than we got to get into that. That's spoiler territory as well. Right. Isn't it? All right. Yeah. So with that, we both recommend it. Me much more than Darren, just because I think this is the gateway into the artsy, <laughs> weird, puzzling movies. But here it is. Uh, if you do not care about spoilers or if you've already seen the movie, well, stick with us. Otherwise, here it is, your spoiler warning. We start the movie with a crying woman who drives in the rain. She pulls off. Uh, oh, I did note that she's on the, I believe, the left side of the road. So we know that it's one of the countries where you would be driving on the left. Japan or the UK. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> kind of narrows it down. Yeah. It's filmed in Ireland, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She pulls over, she gets out, and she shoots a donkey. Yeah. And then she returns to the car, title card. That's Black brilliant. with the, with white text, the lobster, and that's it. It was such an intriguing way just to start a film because immediately you're just like, all right, I'm in. What's, what's, what was the point of that? And then, yeah, you're going to find out, I think, in a, in a way. You find out in a way, but I don't think we get the specifics. No. And I'm also a bit confused later on because there's a part later on with the, uh, the guy with the limp who's talking about his mum. I went to the zoo to see her, but I didn't know which one she was. How did she know which one was her ex? Because she shot that donkey with confidence, but the... Yeah, she didn't shoot the other. Yeah, she didn't shoot them all down, you know? But I think that's the woman from the hotel, the masochist woman, isn't it? The crazy woman that kills the dog. I'm I, pretty sure it is. I think so. It's really something I meant to go back to and then I forgot. I think it is her. I did go back. She looks different, but I'm pretty sure it's her. But that would kind of make sense for her character anyway. She was just killing an animal for the sake of killing it. Basically, she wanted revenge. She didn't really matter who it was on. You got it. In that sense... It makes sense. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, that definitely works for me, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're like halfway down the movie <laughs> yeah. by that point. But it's a powerful opening and it's an important part of the story. Definitely. And if it is her, it adds a whole thing because her character is referred to as the heartless woman. Yeah. 
she clearly wasn't always heartless. Mm-hmm. She's crying. She's clearly yeah. upset over this. So if this is her, it tells us that this is what broke her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what turned her into what she became. The actual movie starts, though, with Colin Farrell as David. He's crying in a room. A woman is talking to him off camera. We never get to see her. She says she's sorry. I think she's fallen in love with somebody else, and he's got to go. Yep. David asks about the man. Does he wear glasses or have contact lenses? She just says to hurry. Mm. I can tell you that this woman, his wife, and soon-to-be ex-wife, probably wears contact lenses or has glasses. There is an odd theme throughout this movie of people falling in love over the most mundane of commonality. Yeah. And this is one that he seems to hold dear, and I do not know why. (laughs) I think it's just to show the shallowness of people's relationships, Mm -hmm. like, of some people's. I mean, this movie... When I first saw it, I was like, are these guys aliens? Because they speak like five-year-olds, basically. They've got this weird um, way of talking to each other. It's, it sounds like a school play at times. They have no filter a lot of times. Yeah, they've got no filter. They've got no emotion in their voice. It's, it's, they're just it's weird. It's like watching a school play. And I was like, man, are these guys clones? Are they aliens? Is it aliens like learning how to be human? Like, What's going on here? And then as the movie progresses, you just realize, no, the whole thing is just a satire and they've stripped away everything basically from the world and just even their character. You know, these people have almost no character. Right. They don't even, I mean, they're given names a lot of times, but in the credits, they're referred to by their aspect. The limping man, the lisping man, the biscuit woman. The biscuit woman. (laughs) And yeah, there's there's just so straightforward stuff like that. So it's like this, this movie is a satire about relationships. Everything we get to see now is just... How, from the get-go, it's just how shallow everything is. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, that bit cracked me up when they're talking. Like, oh, I saw a woman. She came in. She had a limp. It's like, oh, no, she, she just twisted her ankle. It's a bit disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, cause she'll you, get better in a couple of days. She'll get better in a couple of days. Yeah, they're just so fixated on these stupid little things. Well, it's the... All right, all right we're jumping way yeah. ahead, but the defining characteristic comes into that as yeah. well. The narrator is going to describe David's journey and his feelings on the way to this hotel. I'm not sure I really like this, though. I never like this. I don't mind the narration, but it seems an odd choice in this movie. And we're going to skip ahead to the end a bit, but I need to explain that to explain here. The narrator is Rachel Wise's character, the short-sighted woman. Mm Mm-hmm. I could see that he might have told her some of these things, but I also feel like some of these things she would not have the information to. And it feels very odd that she would be able to narrate all of the story. Mm -hmm. Every single detail, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit tricky to have her as the narrator when she plays such an important role of half the movie. Yeah. And some of the stuff that she's saying... I still don't like it. I don't like narration in films, full stop, man. Because it's like... I get it. It's kind of funny at first where it's like, you're seeing what she's narrating. It's like, I get a narrator, but don't tell me what I'm looking at because I'm looking at it. I don't need you talking to me. They did the same thing in 300. It's like, and the eagle soared across the sky. Yeah, I'm looking at it. The camera's on it. I don't like narration in films. It's <laughs> pointless. It's completely pointless. I don't like it in this one either. I disagree. I think that it can very well have a point. I think the thing they're trying to add here is his emotion which we don't get because everybody plays everything so kind of monotone most of the time Mm. 
So maybe that's why. Maybe they just felt they needed something to add a bit more to these sort of montage scenes, like him and the other men getting into the bus and being driven off mm. to the hotel. I don't mind the narration per se. I just don't know that it works well having it come from her. There is the sort of induction interview where he is being registered to the hotel. He says he's never been alone. His last relationship lasted about 12 years. She says, I need to know exactly. 11 years and one month. So not quite 12 years. A little bit of exaggeration there. (laughs) Closer to 11 years then, yeah. I'm not sure if he thought that would do any benefit to him or if maybe it does do benefit how long. It gives you an extra day. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it could be. He has to choose whether he is heterosexual or not. You must choose now. So bisexuality is not an option. No, it causes all sorts of logistical problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's another point of this movie is there's no half measures. It's like there's no, not even, he says his shoe size is 44 and a half. He's like, it's 44 or 45. Yeah. Okay, 45 then. And I think that's why that's there. I think first time through, I wouldn't have noticed. I would just have gone, yeah, okay. That's like any skate rental place or something right, like right. that, right? But he does take a long, hard thought about that. Yeah. When he's choosing his sexuality. Which shows me that it's important to him. Yeah, yeah. And it's a shame. Because he must be really... Imagine if that was you and you know what's going to happen to you. We don't, as an audience, really know yet what's going on, right. what's going to happen. But he's like, I'm going to be turned into a lobster if I don't find love. And so he's like really weighing up his options here. He's like, should I go for this? Yeah, that could be part of his decision-making as well, of gaming the system, which one am I more likely Mm. to find? Yep, yep. And it certainly looks from what we see throughout the rest of the movie that heterosexual seems to be the one that most people have chosen. Yeah. We don't see a lot of men holding men's hands. No. Now, maybe that's just the movie itself, but I think that that does play into that's part of the system. Mm -hmm. And you have to go with what you think you will be able to survive as. Yeah. Which, again, is a really just a metaphor for life, isn't it? Really? It's like, pick your, you make your bed and you lie in it, and you've got to try and survive this life, yeah. We find out his brother stayed here previously, quote, he didn't make it. Mm-hmm. But this is the line where I think yeah. you could definitely misunderstand what's going on, because the woman giving the interview asks about the dog, and he says, oh, my brother, he didn't make it. We could definitely infer from that, that the brother left the dog behind. Yes. However, <laughs> we find out it's actually his brother. Yeah. And they don't make us sit on that for long. That's not the big twist of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. They tell us that as soon as we meet the hotel manager, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. There are rules. The volleyball and tennis are only for couples, <laughs> which like, okay. Volleyball, not exactly a couple sport. Tennis makes a bit more sense. Yeah. But you can do all of the single ones, like, I guess, swimming, golf. Yeah, squash. How do you do squash as a single? Two singles against each other, I guess. Like, you could play play with, you know... Other single people. Okay. See, that, to me, seems like that should be the couple one, because that's two people. Mm. But I guess maybe that's... That that would be versus each other, though, wouldn't it? So, like, tennis would be couple. You could play doubles volleyball you'll you'll be on the same team maybe that's promoting the whole teamwork aspect that they keep on trying to that makes sense which i guess yeah if you're playing against each other in squash you'd be trying to beat each other right yeah okay they say he will have a single room in the hotel for up to 45 days if he makes it he'll be moved up to a double room yeah 
The outside of this place looks absolutely beautiful. Like, oh, it's yeah. a really beautiful location. It must be a real hotel. But the way they have filmed it is just so... I don't know what they've done with a filter, or they've overexposed it slightly, but everything looks gray version of the color that it should be. Yeah, everything's just dull and boring. Beige. <laughs> but I can tell, just look at it. This is a beautiful yeah. place. It should look beautiful. But they purposely made it look awful. Yeah. <laughs> he will then encounter, I guess, the maid and butler? I don't know. This main mm. other male servant who drives the bus and does kind of everything. Yeah. They're going to take all his clothes, as they've done to the people waiting there as well. And they give him a standard set of clothes, I guess. It's like, yeah, like going to prison, isn't it? He like, gets his standard issue clothes and shoes and a pair of flip-flops. and Like you said, no half sizes. Yeah. And you have to book a haircut a day in advance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no smoking because it'll taste bad when you're trying to kiss someone. Mm -hmm. It's probably perfect the way it is. I kind of want a few more rules. I just feel like they're... <laughs> Something so regimented, it feels like there's probably more mm -hmm. to be said. And there are more rules that we aren't told yet, which yes. that feels a bit cheating to later say, oh, well, these are also the rules. Mm -hmm. But it's okay. It kind of builds on the world as we go through. So I guess I can fill in the gap. And benefit of the doubt, he had other information sessions that we weren't privy to. Sure. The narrator talks about his room, room 101, a very singular number. And what it contains. Now, this is a part where I do feel like the narration helps. We can kind of see his closet, but it adds a lot more meaning to me to say, oh, he got four of the same blue shirt and four of the same blue slacks and 20 tranquilizer darts to go with his gun that's hanging over the bed. Right. <laughs> Which is immediately intriguing. Why do we need tranquilizer <laughs> darts? And we find out almost immediately because he looks out the window and there are the loners that are lying on the tarmac. And all David thinks about is, it's a good thing they're wearing those ponchos to keep dry on the wet tarmac. And I think that that's part as well of what the narration does for me is, it tells me that he doesn't really have deeper thought than what we are given. No, he just talks about exactly what he sees. He's got no depth. Whereas I think if we didn't have that narration, we might wonder if, He's the one normal person who has real feelings mm. in a world where nobody else does. I think this narration makes it very clear. No, he is exactly <laughs> he's exactly what <laughs> we've been given. As he, as he yeah. looks, yeah. The hotel manager, Olivia Coleman, fantastic, will yeah. enter with her partner. It's sort of a welcome to the hotel. You should not be upset about your possibility of being turned into an animal. So here it is. We're blatantly being told exactly what's going to happen. After all, if you're turned into an animal, you have a second chance to find a partner. <laughs> she asks what he wants to be. He says a lobster. And he gives interesting reasons for it. They're blue-blooded, which is more symbol than real. Yeah. <laughs> they're not really an aristocrat. <laughs> the fact that they stay fertile all their life and they live to be like 100 years. Unless they end up in someone's pot. Well, that <laughs> is the downside, but there's the possibility. Yeah. The manager says that's a good choice. Most people say dog, which is why the world is full of dogs and why other animals, the rare animals, are going extinct. Yeah. I like this. I've got a theory about this. 
Do you want to do it now or at the end? I can do it now. I might as well. Otherwise, I'll forget about it. I think that this is important because I was thinking, why is not why are there no lions and tigers roaming around? Well, there's a camel and a flamingo that's and a exactly, peacock. That's exactly right. It's not like it's a climate issue, is it? It's like there's a camel in shot in Ireland, right? So it's like climate is not an issue. I think it's because of all of the lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, they're they're all in successful relationships, like the alpha males who who like keep their relationships going, whatever. And so these guys are all ponies and dogs and peacocks and and they've got these softer hearts where they're maybe easier kicked around or something like that in relationships. Again, it's a metaphor for the relationship. They're this lower level, they're not tough and strong. So none of them want to be lions or whatever. So it's like, yeah, all the big tough animals that we see in the world that are going extinct is because no one's being turned into them because they've found love or they've found inverted quotes, air quotes here, happiness. That's my theory on that. Okay. Let me throw in my other theory since we're talking about this now. Go for it. Totally, totally gap filling and totally kind of out of left field here. But my thinking was when she said that, now I didn't think this the first time. I was just trying to understand the world the first time I watched it. How did they even turn them into animals? (laughs) But when I was watching it this week, I was going, oh, that's actually very interesting because I didn't catch that before that the animals, like the rare animals, are still rare, are still endangered in some way. So wouldn't it be interesting if this whole procedure, mm-hmm. everything about this was to you know, sort of separate the wheat from the chaff? Mm-hmm. You people who are good providers, you can reproduce. People who can't make it, all the oddballs, the weirdos, the people who can't handle it for whatever reason, uh-huh. according to this society, yeah. you can make less waste less natural problems mm-hmm. right so environmentally it'd be better if you were an animal and wouldn't be great if you could help repopulate some of the endangered <laughs> species however they made it a choice mm. and so further gap filling here is that they wouldn't be able to get it to pass this legislation as ridiculous as it is <laughs> never would pass anyway but they couldn't get it to pass Unless people had the choice to choose whatever animal they want. Consent kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. We can't make you be a whale just because we need more whales. We have to let you choose what you want to be. Hmm. That was my whole, wow, wouldn't that be interesting (laughs) if theory to why this world even exists. It's a very strange world. I don't understand it. But to me, that kind of works with what she's saying here. And I still feel like, Though, if that was the case, they'd be going, oh, you want to be a dog? Wouldn't you rather be this rare condor (laughs) and fly? Wouldn't you rather be a white rhino? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but back to what we actually see. But she has a great line here as well. Uh, I I love this line when when she's doing this interview about what animal do you want to be? And she's like, think about it carefully, you know, because if you want to be a penguin, you can't date a cow. Think about it. That would be absurd. And you're like, this is all absurd. <laughs> That's a brilliant line. Absolutely. Just her delivery is just so deadpan. It's fantastic. Yes. Though I don't know why that would even come up once you're a different animal. You yeah, I have no to... idea. But it's not, that's not the example that she gives, but she says something it's like something that. It's something that ridiculous where I didn't understand why she said that at all. It made yeah. no sense to me. It almost, in a weird way, trying to say, which animal are you most attracted to? <laughs> Yeah, get a bit weird now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is, but that kind of fits what she's saying and kind of fits what the movie is. Because, yeah, I guess 
be what animal you want, but realize you need to mate with an animal of the same kind. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a weird bit to throw in there. And what's even weirder is what they do. They make him handcuff. Well, I guess they handcuff him. Yeah. So that... One hand behind his back. One hand behind his back to show that two is better for life. You can help each other out. And then they lock his belt so he can't even open his pants. Yeah. <laughs> he has to kind of shimmy out of them at night so that he can sleep. <laughs> I was just slapped my clothes, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but... You got to go to the bathroom at yeah, some point. Yeah, true. Which is kind of why I think he probably did it. <laughs> if you wake up in the night, you don't want to have to oh, do God, a shimmy yeah. out. <laughs> Should have had all that tea. <laughs> There's an alarm for breakfast that warns him he has only 44 days left. There is a whole room of just single tables that are facing the window. This has great visual imagery, but this is absolutely stupid given the point of the hotel. Yeah. This does not promote meeting other people yeah. at all. But maybe that, again, is part of the point. They are all facing the couples, though, aren't they? They're not facing the couples. I think they're facing the windows. Oh, are they? I thought... And the couples are off to, like, the right side of where they would be sitting. Ah, okay. I, I thought they were looking at the couples, like, like, this is what you're missing. Look at these guys. I thought that was the point of this scene. I think it's facing the window. We do see them, though, and there's only about four couples or something. Mm. There's not many. It's yeah. apparent that... There are a lot more single people than there are couples. He is going to meet... Well, before he meets, we're going to get a narration which quickly sums up a lot of people <laughs> and gives us their sort of credited name, credited character name. Mm -hmm. The lady who likes biscuits, the woman with the nosebleed. And then we're going to meet John, who is the man with the limp. He'd probably recognize from the Daniel Craig Bond movies as being Q. Oh, is that who he is? And Robert, the lisping man, who's John C. Riley. they say they want to go out and see the yachts. We're going to go out for a walk. So even though David is really hungry, he wants to make friends. So he goes out with them to see the yachts. The yachts are the final step before you get out of this place. Mm -hmm. So it goes single room, get to be a couple, you get a double room. Then two weeks on a yacht, and then you get to go back to the real world, I guess. And if you can't handle the yacht, they'll give you a kid. Yes, because that fixes most problems. <laughs> that fixes everything. <laughs> <laughs> we have some sort of meeting presentation. This is where the man with the limp, John, tells us his story about his mother and also his defining feature and the fact that his previous wife, who was beautiful and he loved very much, also had a limp. And then the next woman gets up and she says, my defining characteristic is my wonderful smile. And then she gives a smile, but it's so awkward because it's not a real smile. She's trying to put it on yeah. for the crowd. I guess it's to introduce themselves to the possible dating pool. Yeah. And for people to go, oh, that person sounds interesting. I have a limp too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we've said, very shallow reasons to start relationships here. But a very meaningful reason, if you're going to die or be transformed, mm -hmm. essentially losing your humanity, I'm surprised it's taking anybody any time to get together at all. Right. <laughs> and I can understand wanting to go for the easiest thing. Oh, we have this in common. But would you even really need that? Yeah. If we don't make it, we're in real trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it does seem a bit odd. It's almost 
it seems almost 50-50 here, whereas I would expect it to be like 90% men and like 10% women. (laughs) But maybe the movie would be boring or be a bit different. We've been shown as well as well. It's like in this society, even if your wife cheats on you, it's your fault that your wife cheated on you. So it's like, it makes sense that there's women in here too, because it's a, uh, that would be an equal chance of your spouse cheating on you with another man or with another woman, wouldn't it? And this, this movie, it's like, what they're saying is, is if you can't hold your relationship together and your spouse cheats on you, you're the mistake. That's a good point. Okay. Which is pretty much what the biscuit lady says later. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, though, the man with the limp, his wife just died six days ago. <laughs> no, he just tossed straight in here. It's yeah. like, it's and like, he's already like, been here. Like, I don't think his hand was handcuffed when he was here. So oh, he, was, he was. He was handcuffed. Was yeah, he handcuffed? Yeah, 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 okay. he was handcuffed. So he had about three days to grieve. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what a crazy world where it's like, yep, your wife died. Not even cheated on you. She died. It's like, yep, get in the hotel. You're, you're, you're a, a pony, you know? <laughs> We then have a dance. I guess there's this weekly party with a kind of odd performance with this band all in lab coats and Olivia Coleman and her partner, who we found out, I don't think it's here. I don't remember if it was like when they first introduced her or if it's later when the maid is talking about them. Mm -hmm. But apparently their defining characteristic is their wonderful voice and that's what brought them together. Ah, okay. (laughs) Which is why they're singing. Right. <laughs> There's a whole awkward thing with the dancing here. The guests are all in identical clothes. The men have these suits. The women have these floral pattern dresses. The biscuit woman hears about the heartless woman, how she has the best loner hunter record. And as we find out later, the more loners you catch, the more days you get. So she actually has quite a stockpile of days yeah i mean that's an interesting way to game the system isn't it it's like she, she's a good hunter so she could just put off her death forever pretty much her transformation for well indefinitely david dances with the nosebleed woman she bleeds on his shirt and then advises him about four different ways to get blood out of the shirt robert dances with the heartless woman and john dances with the biscuit woman an alarm ends the party they go on a bus they go on their first hunt so as i've said before all the action, super slow motion. Yeah. With relaxing, almost classical style music. On the way to the hunt, the man with a limp is worried because he's not very fast. And David advises him to use tactics that use surprise as opposed to speed. At the end of the hunt, when they're counting the bodies, each body is worth an extra day. And as I said before, Heartless has many days yeah, accrued. She, and she doesn't just shoot them. She beats that other one to a pulp. She's like punching him in in the face and stuff like that. Yeah, she's out for blood. In morning, David struggles to put liniment on his back. This is something he needs some help for. This was also a kind of key moment in Of Mice and Men, if you've ever read that. It's a real sign of being alone that you can't even have somebody help you do this and you can't reach all the spots. I don't remember that. I, I read that. I was in middle school when I read that. All I remember is Alfalfa. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get a sort of montage of scenes where they give these presentations. Man eats alone and he chokes to death. Man eats a woman, she saves him. Yeah. Woman walks alone, she gets raped. Yeah. Man and woman walk together, now she's safe. Mm. (laughs) Totally ridiculous extreme examples. Yeah. Meanwhile... 
The other scene that this is interspliced with is the maid restocking David's trank darts and also giving him a sort of lap dance. Yeah. To encourage him to work harder to find a couple, I guess. And he does not like it. He said, oh, can we just skip it today? (laughs) (laughs) But no, he, he must do that. Breakfast. This is probably, to me, the most shocking scene. Yeah. Bring out the toaster. All right. This is a rule that we were not, at least I don't believe we were told of before. I don't think so either, yeah. But we were just led to believe that the stuff of the maid couldn't go on further because it's basically all to tease and encourage you to work harder. Mm -hmm. And thus, I mean, we warned you, sexual content, masturbation is illegal. And thus, (laughs) like, because he was caught... I guess, or people heard him. Maybe there's cameras in the room or something like that. I've got no idea. In this society, uh, I guess that's possible, yeah. Here's a question, though. Do you think masturbation is illegal outside of the hotel as well? Do you think it's illegal in the city, in this world? That's a good question. Because it seems to be a big thing in the forest. Like, you can do it whenever you want. I thought that was more just because it's not the hotel. Right. But I wonder if it's illegal in this kind of universe. It could be. It could be seems a weird thing but i suppose if you're doing that you're not being loyal to your partner you're not giving everything to your partner and that's what this whole world is so probably but my guess would be that'd be the kind of thing that would not be reinforced unless your wife leaves you yeah yeah Yeah. that could be maybe an extra thing to tack on to your (laughs) your sentence (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so he's punished by having his hand forced into a toaster and it's going to be bandaged Pretty much the rest of the movie, because yeah. the rest of the movie doesn't really take that long. I mean, we only had 44 days. <laughs> <laughs> there is a part where the limping man, John, will explain what he heard about the conversion to being animals, what they do with the extra parts and all those kind of things. Pretty ridiculous. Sounds weird. I don't think anything he says is really true. No. And this is one of the things that's not important for the film at all. So... Again, this is this was kind of funny for me because on my first watch of this, I was thinking, yeah, how do they do that? But it's, it's a magic room that transforms them into animals. You don't need to know anymore. The movie is already ridiculous enough. We don't need to explain how we do this ridiculous thing. But they're like children again. They're like, oh, they've got these boogeyman stories of they chop you up into little bits. And oh, yeah, that makes sense because mammals would be more difficult. They'd need specialists and stuff like that, you know? So it's showing you again that these people, they have emotions because they get into fights and they, Mm -hmm. but they never really seem to raise their voices, but they have concerns, they have fears and they have theories about stuff, but they're just so dry character wise, you know, it's, I don't know, it's a really interesting movie for this. And I think that that seriousness works. This could easily be satire, comedy, it could be turned that way, Mm -hmm. but everybody takes their role, their dialogue so seriously in this movie And it's great because what it does is it does create that whole world, a sort of uniformity to everybody's likeness. And again, why I think for me, the narration is partly important to show that he's not the odd one out who Mm -hmm. we need to root for. He's not the hero because he's so different than everyone else. He is like everyone else. And in a way, makes him a more interesting main character hero for us because he doesn't have any advantages over anyone else. In fact, in some ways has disadvantages yeah on the way to a hunt the biscuit woman talks to david about bob the dog gives biscuits for the dog offers sex very openly with explicit details (laughs) very explicit details and says if she doesn't find a partner soon she's going to jump to her death 
Probably not from the first floor where she is, but maybe the third floor or fourth floor. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure why David doesn't talk to her. Does he just not find her attractive? I don't know. Maybe she's not nearsighted, you know? Maybe <laughs> it could be just down to that. I wouldn't put it past this movie. It's like, because he, I would he, think he does have things in common with her. He doesn't ask her, though. No. He seems to ask everyone else in yeah, the movie, true, but yeah. he doesn't ask her. Even the guys. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you, our contacts. <laughs> so I'm not sure why he doesn't at least ask that. Mm-hmm. What is it about her? Are they trying to say that David has trouble accepting that anyone would want to be with him? Or is it the type of thing where he only wants someone that is difficult to get to? Mm. I don't know if there's a message here. It could be that, or it could be the sheer desperation on the other end. I'm about to be changing time. I'll do absolutely anything. Which again is, well, he makes a choice and it's not for her. Yeah. So that's, I just don't understand. But again, maybe this is hinting at the absence of logic when it comes to love. Mm. I'm sure that meaning could be put here, but this is one of those times where you could attribute kind of many, many, many different meanings to what symbolism might be going on there. Yeah. But as I watched it, I was just shocked that you have somebody who clearly wants to be with you, but not with you because of who you are as a person, but just so she doesn't get turned into an animal. Mm. Maybe that's just not enough for him. Yeah. Thinking about it now, maybe that's not what he wants. He wants to be in love. Yeah. Because clearly that's what he goes for. Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's it. But if I had to choose between becoming a lobster and, Hang out with Biscuit Woman. I know which direction I would choose. Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd go the other way. <laughs> I like a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> we see target practice where Robert says he wants to be a parrot. John, the limping man, just, just starts antagonizing them for no apparent reason. I do not understand why he does this. Maybe he's just bored. Maybe it says what kind of person he is because we know that he's not. I mean... In a world where lying is pretty rare, he is a liar, so mm-hmm. maybe that's something. But he says, why would you want to be a parrot? You'll still have the lisp. Why do you want to be a lobster? You're going to get eaten. I'm going to be a human. I'm going to stay a human. Maybe it's the whole aspect of he doesn't want to face that fear that he might become an animal too. And he doesn't want to hang out with people who are, in a way, sounding like they, they're ready to give up. They have a backup plan. Yeah. Whereas he doesn't have a backup plan. And he definitely seems like more of a fighter as well. Like he's willing to break his own nose kind of thing, to give himself nosebleeds and cut his own nose. You know, he's got some fire in him at least. Fire for this world, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah. as lukewarm as that fire gets. And like you said, John's going to flirt with the nosebleed woman and then he conveniently has a nosebleed, which is pretty obvious what happens, but it's like the very next scene where David confronts him about it and says... I saw what you did. I know what you did. Mm. And I think David's a little bit annoyed because he had been flirting with the nosebleed woman. Mm -hmm. And maybe he thought he had a chance there. And John swept in and taken that away. Harsh scene here where John smashes his face into the table to show how he did it and says, basically, I either become an animal or I have an occasional nosebleed. Which one would you choose? Yeah. Yeah. Next scene. They're announced as the nosebleed couple. I mean, that's that's not the way they're announced. They said, oh, isn't it so nice they found each other? And they have this wonderful common trait. Yeah. They both easily get nosebleeds. Yeah, that's what we want to tell everyone in the whole party. <laughs> but yeah, they're moving on to their double room now. 
Then, like I said, it's two weeks for the double room, two weeks for the yacht, and then into the real world. And, as we've said before, the manager states here, if there's any problems or arguments, well, we'll give you a kid. That usually helps a lot, she says. <laughs> with seven days left, he talks to the woman with the nice hair by the pool. Yes. This is a very awkward conversation. She asks about if he will go bald. And she says he shouldn't be very confident because even though David isn't going bald and even though his father isn't bald, there could still be the baldness gene in there somewhere. <laughs> it just seems very cruel to do this when she has no intention of being with him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like she's spiting on her way out. In the office of the hotel manager, the manager recommends doing something that only humans can do for her last day. And I think she has a movie that she wants to watch. Manager says, that's a nice choice. The nosebleed woman, who is her friend, starts to read this letter she wrote to her saying... Very awkward. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that you've got to go and you always have such lovely hair. You know I've always been jealous of it. But I'll try to make friends when I get back to the city somehow. <laughs> to which she gets slapped. Yeah. And then we get a scene of a pony with pretty nice hair. Yeah. And the nosebleed couple saying goodbye to the pony. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's another great little thing about relationships. Is like she obviously put herself up really high and had these high expectations. Obviously, looking for the in this world the perfect hair couple that would be or something like that. But it's just like yeah, expectations set way too high. Didn't find anyone. Done. No, yeah. David Tennant. No. <laughs> the narrator says David decides to flirt with Heartless on a hunt, but. He doesn't need to wait for them because the biscuit woman has jumped out of the building, broken her face, yeah. bleeding all over the place, biscuits strewn about <laughs> as well, just so we know exactly who she is. And David uses this moment to flirt with the heartless woman. Yeah. Saying what he was going to say about the loner, he uses that line with the biscuit woman. And Heartless says, oh, okay, maybe we can talk later. In a hot tub, she pretends to choke. He does nothing, trying to prove that he's as heartless as she is. She says, we might be a good match. And now they're a couple. Yeah. They get put into a room together. Things are really awkward because they don't have a lot in common. They don't seem to have a lot of good communication going on. But they're making an okay go of it. They're lying to each other, though, at the heart of it. They are, but... Or at least he's lying to her. Yeah. But I, I don't she... think she really cares about him, though, mm. either. If she did, she wouldn't do what she did, which is to kill his brother. I think that was just to prove loyalty, though, wasn't it? It is, and to prove that he's as heartless as he says he is. Yeah. But if she really cared about him, I don't think she would make this kind of test. Mm. That's a pretty harsh test. Oh, yeah. Proving how heartless she is now, she catches him crying and says she's going to turn him in. Slaps him and then carries him like by the scruff of his neck as if she's taken him to the principal's office. <laughs> he hits her and runs. There's a whole chase scene here. The maid says, oh, he went that way, but he didn't. He pops out of the room and shoots Heartless with the Trent gun. He is going to drag her down to the animal room, to which we will never know what animal he turned her into. But we know, I can't believe you did that. That was terrible what you did to that woman. Yes. But this also tells me that whatever John was talking about before, this process is not a doctor process. No, if he can do this, it's a machine that you just throw it in and you type in what animal you want it to be. Yeah. 
What do you think that he turned her into? If you were just to have a wild guess. Well, something obviously bad. It would have to be something that is incredibly, like, prey. So, a a worm, maybe? Mm. A rat? It's got to be something that's so low and something nobody would want to be a cockroach, maybe? Mm. Yeah. I I don't know if... They don't get into if you can be insects. So, is there any creature that is heartless? I don't think that there is. Oh, all I know is... I was thinking at first... I bet he turns her into a dog, you know, or something like that. But then again, why would the, the man with the lisp be so offended by it? He's like, I can't, you know, he really was disgusted by what he did to her. Yeah, it must be something like a worm or slug or something like that. Something just at the bottom of the food chain, something to get eaten up, I guess. After that, David has to run. So he runs outside. He starts his new life. In the forest, yeah. Yeah. Sleeping outside. No ointment for his back. He's... yeah david is having a tough time of it sleeping outside no liniment for his back but he's found by the outsiders the loners and so now he's invited to the group yeah he's welcomed by the loner leader which is pretty much how she's referred to i think in the credits as well he gets a hug but here are more rules this is a loner only society so no flirting no sex no romance Mm -hmm. if you do that we're going to find out you get the red kiss or the red bloody kiss. kiss. Yeah, something like that. Where they cut your mouth and make you kiss. Not pleasant at all. And the narrator also says, oh, there's something called red intercourse. Yeah. I don't want to know if that. <laughs> I don't want to know what that is. Yep. But me, I can me, guess. Me neither. Yeah. They dance alone, which is why they only listen to electronic music. On a Sony Discman. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene where they practice moving and hiding. We find out the narrator is Rachel Weiss or the short-sighted woman. David is too, and so this is what he's going to use as his in, I guess. But he doesn't know that for a while, I think. No. Because I think she wears contacts or something. Yeah. And that's why I think that he's genuinely out for something deeper than just that superficial stuff. She, as the narrator says, how she fantasizes being with David that night. And it's just totally ridiculous. It seems like... <laughs> A cute, sweet thing, and then it turns sexual, and then it turns dangerous. It's just <laughs> really over the top. Yeah. My first time I heard that little bit, I was like, my ears were just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. And the way that it's delivered is just so deadpan as well. Like, it's the most normal thing in the world. I got a good laugh out of that. The practice is cut short as a man gets his leg caught in a trap. Mm. The loners are not allowed to help. So I believe the leader says, keep struggling. You'll get out. And uh, if you can't catch up with us, if you can't survive, go to your grave. You've dug your grave, right? Yes, I did. Okay, then. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Not a great society either. No, equally ridiculous. There's a hunt. Robert has David in his sights and they talk. David awkwardly tries to convince Robert that he is his only friend. You're the one I think about when I try to picture a friend. Oh, no, I didn't. Who's John? I don't remember John. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas I think his tactic of trying to get him to join the loner group was much better. Mm -hmm. Especially given like, oh, you can do whatever you want on your own. Yeah. (laughs) The narrator basically jumps in saves David, and David shoots Robert with the Trent gun, and also takes off his clothes? Yeah. Why? I think so that they've got fresh clothes to go into the city with? 
Because they're all wearing suits, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, but he's not wearing a suit when he's hunting. Wasn't he? I don't, I don't know. He's, I mean, he's wearing clothes. Uh, I mean, obviously clothes, but I mean, he's, he's wearing the standard issue clothes from the hotel. Right, but which... they only wear the suit on the party night. Mm. So I don't think that's mm. what he's wearing. I think they get all the clothes from their trips to the city and also possibly from the maid. From the, the mole, yeah. Speaking of, uh, the maid and the loner leader talk. The maid brought her a gun, key cards to all the double rooms with information like I said, I think this is where we hear about the manager and her partner having wonderful voices. Mm. That's what they have in common. Are they sisters? I don't think so, though it's possible. I mean, I know that's a massive leap because, oh, they both speak French. They must be related. <laughs> but nobody else in the movie does. Yeah, but in the film, it's like they both speak French. Is that just something that they happen to bond or Is that their quirk that they have together? It could be, and their quirk could be they both want to be alone. Right. You know, alone together. But I did notice that the maid, she has a wedding ring. Oh, yeah. She talks about and her husband. And she talks about her dentist. The dentist's dentist husband, husband that she hates. I'm so tired of him making me brush my teeth after every meal. Yeah. She killed him, didn't she? She murdered him. Yes. Yeah. At least that's what she tells us. That's what she tells us. Yeah. Well, she tells David. She's <laughs> going into great detail. Yeah, because I think she likes David as well. But David just like totally just shuts her down, like whatever. And I've got to go talk to this other one. Yeah. So basically, the narrator tells him, like, don't tell anyone I helped you. If you want to help me back, give me some rabbits. Right. And at that point, he catches and brings two rabbits as she is talking the narration voiceover of how she would prepare a rabbit. Yeah. In suits, they go to town, they're in a shopping mall. They shop as couples. They have to do things like hold hands and those kind of things. Great excuse for David and the short-sighted woman to flirt and get closer together. Mm -hmm. But we also see the tragic side of security here. They're vigilant. They are very vigilant. Mm -hmm. They have a woman on her knees asking her all sorts of questions. They're confronting a man. They come up to David and saying, who are you here with, sir? I'm here with my wife. Yeah, where is she? Uh, I don't remember what shop. Yeah. And the thing is... Papers, please. Yeah. The performance, I guess, is so convincing that the security guy doesn't need to see the papers. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know if they have fake papers or if they were going to be in real trouble. We don't know that. Yeah. But we do know that it was a very scary situation. Don't know what would happen to David at that point. Probably instantly turned to an animal. I would imagine so. Because he's ran out of days and he also ran off. Hmm. Or maybe even worse, a fate worse than being turned into an animal. Who knows? Possibly. But the good thing is about this is that they are so emotionless in how they deliver their lines. It's like them lying to the security guard or the policeman or whoever is is just it's almost second nature to them. <laughs> and he just believes them immediately. Like, yeah, I don't need to see your papers. Yeah, because she's like, would you like to see mine as well? No, no, no you're all right. <laughs> in the woods. They're, well, before the woods, actually, we want to talk about them going to the loner leader's parents. They always go there for some reason. Because she's know lying why. to them. She is, but I don't know why she would take everybody with her. Good point, actually. Yeah, why would she not just go with the uh, the guy? I, yeah. I, I, what's his name? Yeah, I've seen He's in Black Mirror. He's in, he's, in, he's in White Bear. Can't remember his name. I've seen him in a bunch of things. Yeah, why doesn't she just go with him? Mm. Like, he's my husband. Yeah. Why take the other two? Maybe because she's worried what the other two will get up to? I, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, she isn't at first, but obviously later she would mm. be. It's a whole weird situation. And 
I, I just don't understand why this is happening, but I'll just let it go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is such a, it needs to happen so that we can get the scene later. The scene later. Yeah. And it's a nice time for them again to be able to flirt and act more comfortably because the parents are normal and apparently the parents are supportive of the couple society mm-hmm. and not the loner society. Yeah. In the woods, they talk. I mean, the, our, our couple now, our short-sighted couple. Mm-hmm. She rubs liniment on his back because she noticed he was having trouble doing it. Nice. The plan comes into play, though. All of the stuff that the maid brought is to make the couples not feel like couples, I guess. To yeah. show the weakness of their relationships. And we've already seen... We've already seen... John in the nosebleed couple before that they had a kid. So we knew they were already having trouble, but they're now on the yacht. And David basically says his nosebleeds aren't real. Don't believe him. Basically just kind of gets kicked out. It doesn't really work the way that it should. I think she's desperate to not be turned into an animal. Mm. So she's going to do whatever it takes. That's my guess. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that she already knew that his nosebleeds were fake. Yeah. And also, why does he leave the gun behind? <laughs> he leaves the trunk gun behind as well. I thought he was going to come back as a, as a comedy bit, like, oh, sorry, I forgot that. But it doesn't happen. Maybe that's something that got left on the Maybe. editing floor. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. I get why he was trying to do it. It's a bit disappointing that this is all that happened. Yeah. I mean, he did it, I think, because he liked that girl first and just wanted revenge, wasn't it? It was just like he wanted to break them up and like kind of throw a spanner in the works kind of thing. I think so, but I think also if the whole idea is to make couples not feel like their relationship is good, to see the weakness in their relationship, he has inside information on this one. Because it's like a terrorist mission, isn't it? The one in the hotel manager, that scene is really harsh. Yeah, it's a good scene. I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, partner, here's a gun. Well, not even the gun. Who would survive longer alone? Yeah. Oh, me oh, for sure. Me, me for sure. Okay, well, here's a gun. Shoot her. How much and do you he, love your wife? Yeah. Out, of fif- out of 15. Out why, of 15. Why is it 15? <laughs> well, I think that's just part of the absurdity of the yeah. movie. 14. 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who do you love 15? Yeah. <laughs> but he does pull the trigger. Yeah. But there's no ammo in the gun. So now they're going to have a lot of talking to do, I can imagine. Yeah. But surely you would work through it because you don't want to be turned into an animal. That's the whole weird thing. It's like if this is a world where... This is a real thing, a real thing that happens to people. Surely everyone would be crawling to make it work, like like just like holding on to any threads of a relationship that they could to keep it going. Because, yeah, you, you surely you'd set up some kind of deal with your spouse. You'd be like, look, even if we hate each other, let's just pretend, you know, it'd be mm-hmm. like that dystopian world, you know. But evidently not, <laughs> not in this world. Well, they're willing to take I don't, that risk. I don't think we see them separated, though. So I would imagine that they would probably stay together. Until she found somebody else. Maybe, yeah. A better singer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> He's or an just singer. someone who she thinks wouldn't shoot her in yeah, the face. Yeah, <laughs> That's a low bar to set. Who's not, who's not going to shoot me in the face? Well, he wouldn't under normal circumstances. No. But who wouldn't do it under extreme circumstances? Yeah. But this does pop up again at the end, and it's important to touch on that. But we'll get to that at the end. In the woods, there's the silent disco. Everybody dancing... On their own, to their disc man. Yep. The leader says David must dig his own grave and recommends, I think, find a place without too many rocks and those kind of things. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
The maid is talking to David. This is where she explained how she kills her husband with the drill. But David just cuts the story short. Oh, I've got to go. Because he's jealous of the other man who brought a rabbit to the short-sighted woman. Did she kill him with a dentist's drill? (laughs) Or a real drill? I'm guessing the dentist drill. That would be really hard to kill someone with. It's got the tiniest little thing, little drill on the end. How the hell would you kill someone with that? Well, I'm sure she found a way. (laughs) Yeah, and this is where he confronts the other man. And this goes on a bit too long for me, this scene. Yeah. Look left, look right, look up, look down, look left again. (laughs) (laughs) To prove he's not short-sighted, which again... And he's not wearing contacts, yeah. yeah. It's weird. I used to be a pilot. (laughs) Of course I don't wear contacts. The short-sighted couple are dancing in the woods. They play a CD, but they have to start at the same time. It's a togetherness activity. Which I thought was interesting because the name... Do you know the song they're listening to? No. It's called... Now I've forgotten what the name of it is. It's a Nick Cave song, Where the Wild Roses Grow. Nick Cave and Callie Minogue sing it. And it's a song about a man who finds a woman who's so beautiful and then murders her. And so, kind of fitting for this world, like this weird world. But it's a real song, so it's like, oh, it kind of threw me off. It's like, so is this our world? Yeah. (laughs) Or is this an alternate universe where Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue still sing that song together? (laughs) Like, what's going on? Because it it comes up twice, because a bit later on, when he's singing to himself, he's singing the lyrics to that song again. So it's like, they really went double down on that song in in this movie for some reason. In this scene, they even kiss... We find out they have their own secret code, which is utterly ridiculous, Gets but kind even of funny. More ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> Again, like kids, though, it's like that's the kind of thing that five-year-olds would do, like make a stupid code. When I touch my ear, that means this, you know? You might have a couple, but yeah. you wouldn't have a, a whole, whole language. language. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. We are told weeks go by. Yeah. And they use the time at the leader's parents' place to openly kiss go a bit too far. A bit awkward, yeah. To the point where the leader just separates them. Stop that. Says, be respectful. (laughs) I love the bit as well with the uh, code where she's like, when we turn our head to the left, it means I love you more than anything. When we turn our head to the right, it means watch out, there's danger. Don't get those mixed up. (laughs) (laughs) They have a plan that on a hunt, they're going to pretend to be captured and disappear. Thus, everyone would just assume that they became animals. The leader monitors david dig his own grave gets in she makes him cover himself with soil even your face Mm. then the leader takes the narrator to a doctor i think under the pretense that maybe her eyes will be fixed but just the opposite happens she is blinded yeah i didn't think they're gonna go that far i thought they were gonna fix her i thought thought they were just gonna give her lasik yeah I'm not sure sighted anymore. Okay, oh, well, well now we compatible anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, this is this goes with the whole theme of the, uh, the total absurdity of this film is that they found a doctor who was willing to blind someone. What is this world? What is going on here? But again, we're not supposed to question that. We're just supposed to say, "Yep, that's what happens," which is weird. We're gonna see the narrator pretend for about thirty seconds that she's not blind. Yeah. Oh, you brought me a rabbit. No, it's a flashlight. (laughs) (laughs) She basically confesses, though, that she's blind. And David tries to entertain her. He brings her things to guess. This is an empty cup. This is a kiwi. Right again. It's a tennis ball. Mm. So he's lying. (laughs) Before this part, though, doesn't she kill the hotel woman in a knife fight? Is that before this part or is this after? I thought it was before that. Because that was a weird scene. I couldn't really piece it together. 
Mm, I know I've got that in my notes somewhere. Ah, uh, no, okay. Yeah, it is before that. It's right after she's blinded. Yeah, yeah. Because they do this weird choreographed, she stabs the hotel mole, but the leader of this, the loner's group, kind of copies her actions and falls down and lays down well, the Well, she also puts the maid right in front of yeah, her. Yeah, she uses so her they, as a shield, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, and then pretends to die. Yeah, but then... Immediately gets up. Immediately so, gets up and yeah. says, oh, I'm still, you didn't kill me. I, I really didn't understand that bit at all. Was she trying to assassinate them all? I think... Was, was she using Rachel Weiss to get rid of her? Possibly. I think more the loner leader doesn't care. Mm. She just wants to survive. So... But why then, why blow your cover immediately afterwards? I also don't know why she would feel she needed to throw the maid in front instead of just de-arming the blind woman who's been blind for about a day, so has no sense of yeah, yeah. This, this what's whole going scene, on. I really didn't get this part at all. I think this is more just messing with her. Mm. But yeah, when you mess with somebody and kill someone, and somebody dies <laughs> in the meantime, because at first I thought it was more. Okay. She loved that person. Not loved as in love, but she was like, you're my best insider. She was like, I mean, she did say, this is my last mission. So maybe she's harboring some ill feelings towards her. Could be. I really thought what was going to happen was, isn't that clever? She hid. She's going to pretend that she's dead mm. so that she can escape. But then she almost immediately says, oh, by the way, I'm not dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't it seemed kind of pointless there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think that there's probably more meaning there in the director's head than what we're given. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we have all this time where the narrator is entertained by David. What was the name of the game? I don't remember. Play, feel, think, win or something like that. It was something really dumb. But then he decides to have another plan <laughs> to which there's somebody doing something right behind them, but he describes it all in code, you know. I lift my elbow, I scratch my thumb, you know, all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Which basically like, means Are you sure? <laughs> we're going to run. Yeah. So, yeah, so they head to town. On the way, the bus comes by, but they hide behind a fence so they aren't seen. They get to town. They're in a restaurant. They basically just have water. But they, first of all, they put that French leader girl in a ditch and let the dogs eat her face. That is true. Revenge? Yeah, mm -hmm. I guess. I mean, obviously. Mm -hmm. And maybe they think that this is wrong as well. This society is also wrong. Yeah. And it's going to continue until this leader is out of the way, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But honestly, compared to what's about to happen, that seems so... I, I've just skipped over the maid. I skipped over the loner leader because, honestly, that stuff matters so little compared to what's about to happen. And that is the restaurant scene where... <laughs> The narrator is showing him things like, here's my elbow. Oh, here's this hand. Do you want to see my stomach? No, no, I remember your stomach. He asked for a steak knife, has no food, just a glass of water, <laughs> asks for a steak knife, and then takes it into the bathroom. We're led to believe, as he's pointing at his eyes, that he's also going to blind himself, as well as some of the things that she said, like, oh, it's not so bad. Yeah. Whereas we know it is so bad. You got one of the things wrong. And you barely function as a blind person. <laughs> and that, to me, is where the big question, the big thing about this movie lies is, do you think he did it? Yes or no? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's so much as, did he do it or not? There's no way to know that at all, as far as I can tell. There's no, there's no way to know. 
The question would be, would I do it? <laughs> because she says something really interesting that we skipped because it was part of that knife scene with the maid. She says something really important. She says, you could have blinded him instead. So that takes us back to the scene where the hotel owners, he's shooting, he's pointing the gun at her. It's like, I don't think Rachel Weiss or her character really loves David at all because in the end she resents him. And so I don't know if he does it and I don't think it matters, but the whole point is this is what the whole movie's been boiled down to. This is what a relationship is. Are you willing to sacrifice yourself for your partner? Probably not. Is that love then? That's, that's That was my big takeaway from that, from the whole film. So yeah, I don't know if he does it. What do you think? For me, I think it is important. I think the part of it plays into what you were saying. She wouldn't do the same thing for him. Mm-hmm. And so why should he do that for her? Yeah. For me, from a logical standpoint, it's incredibly stupid. It's very dumb. Just go back to the doctor. If someone's, if there's a doctor willing to blind you, go and get it done professionally. <laughs> I personally, I don't think he's going to do it. But I also think having two blind people is going to be way harder to survive. Also, than why not just everything. lie about it? Why not just come back and go, okay, I did it. <laughs> and then just pretend to be blind. Well, he might. He did try lying once before, so yeah. maybe he'll try it. I do think he has real feelings for her, though. I don't I, think he would I even contemplate so. it otherwise. Yeah. I don't... I lean towards I don't think he did. Yeah. We didn't hear a scream. True. We don't even know if he's still in that restaurant. In the bathroom. Man. He might have just taken off. Yeah. That's very possible. I definitely watched this time all the people walking in the yeah, background. Too, did he sneak too. across? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even just off camera somewhere and anything. Yeah, I scrubbed that whole, yeah. that whole scene. Yeah, because we just have it. a scene of her sitting there with her water... Waiting. listening at the window like yeah. that's all she has yeah i think it's very possible that he did i think it's very possible that other people could interpret this very differently i just personally think he wouldn't he didn't do the kind of sacrifice before he failed when it came to pretending he didn't care about his brother mm-hmm. he's failed a lot of times whenever he's tried any sort of deception <laughs> he was he was somewhat fooling Robert in the woods when the trank gun was pointed at him, mm-hmm. but it was pretty weak. Yeah. This is some of the worst lying I've ever heard. <laughs> or maybe really good lying for this world, you know, maybe that's mm-hmm. spot on lying. But for me, I think that that is an important question because I think what you decide for that depends on what you think about their relationship, what you think about him as a character, what you think about this world and what is important in this world. And for me, I just think, I just can't imagine myself doing that, putting myself also at a penalty just so that we have that in common. Mm. I think that, at least I hope, that he would say, logically, it makes no sense. And also, let's prove that we have love beyond this one shallow thing. Mm. Because he has that. And I think their whole communication thing, as goofy as it was, is a real connection. And I think they had a real connection on more than one thing. And I Though I think there's still kind of early days relationship stuff. I think that they would have potential. But me personally, if my partner asked me to do this. Hey, Justin, cut your eyes out for me. Be a pretty good sign of this is time to nope it out of there and (laughs) and find something else. (laughs) But I mean, she's almost the same as Biscuit Lady by the end of the film, though, because she's now she, she explicitly says you could have blinded him instead. And then now she's the one who is uh, left with no options. She's Her whole future hinges on him doing this for her. And again, that's an important life 
question kind of thing, like how far are you willing to go for your partner? How far are you willing to go for love? Something like that. Yeah, this world, there's no half measures. It's either eyes in or eyes out. So it's like, even the lying part, I think, I think that's not part of his character. Like, or, or maybe it is, because for the whole, actually, maybe, maybe it still would be because he's 44 and a half, but could be bisexual. There's a lot of half measures th- that he takes throughout the film. So maybe he would be willing to lie and just pretend he's blind. Maybe, maybe one eye. One eye. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about half measures. Yeah. Overall, though, this is a movie that's just quite interesting. I think leads to these kind of conversations of how do you feel about this world and what does it say about relationships? And I think the end question is quite interesting of do you think he did it and why? Mm. And I think everybody's going to have a slightly different take on it. Mm. And we have lots of evidence for the character and for the world to sort of have different arguments when it comes to that. They made it very bleak, very strange, very just absurd, but not really comical in a way that takes it seriously and in a way that makes the movie work in a way I wouldn't have expected. Because, yeah, because I think it works because it, it's taking something real, but presenting to you in a really, really bizarre way. But you can still understand it. Like, this is how we treat each other in society, where we chastise people who are not in relationships. Like, come on, you can find someone. There's someone out there for everyone, which a lot of people get angry about. And then you get the loner people who are looking at the, the couples together and they, they hate them and they chastise them for public displays of affection and things like that, you know? So it's like you've got the two absurd ends of the spectrum in this film. So it's like it is about real stuff, but it's like presented in this really, really messed up way. It's a good film, yeah. Gaps filled the more gaps created. <laughs>